Hello and welcome to the SJ Chronicles. It is 10.42 on Friday the 22nd of December 2017. Today has that kind of air about it, doesn't it? Where there's the kind of Friday feeling because it's Friday anyway and then there's because it's the Friday before the Christmas weekend and all the emails are relatively quiet and uh, a lot of stuff is just winding down. Um, hope you had a great day yesterday. Uh, the night just ended up running away with me and um, went to bed a lot later than I had expected to and um, yeah just didn't have the the wherewithal to do a segment um yeah I was at home yesterday um the guy came as I mentioned you know to come and do the uh, boiler check it's uh, it's a hilarity in some ways because I rent uh, where I live and you know I've been here for I think about seven years um but the boiler's from 1991 so it's like 26 years old it's hugely inefficient compared to modern boilers um and you know the landlord doesn't have any intention of changing it anytime soon having said that apparently there's some regulations coming into the united kingdom which means that um i'm going to be moving out of this house at some point next year because we're going to get more progress with the ralph and are going to have to relocate um and apparently he's going to have to sort the boiler out before uh he can have new tenants according to the new laws apparently anyway um but uh you know even if i was going to be staying here it sounds like at some point he's going to be forced to replace the boiler but anyway so yeah they always want to tell me that um you know your boiler's very inefficient etc but we know all that already um but actually what was more interesting about meeting this guy is he was probably in his you know mid-20s and um he turned up in a van that was unmarked and obviously you know we expect, you know, people coming to represent these big companies that they're likely to be driving branded vans. Um, so I was kind of curious as to what that was, right? And I said he was in his mid-twenties and I kind of asked him whether they'd stopped using branded vans. Anyway, it turns out that he um, basically is self-employed, you know, so he works for himself actually through a limited company. Um, and essentially his backstory, which is kind of interesting really, because he seemed to be quite happy to share a lot of it, um, was, you know, he went to college. So college is basically one of the things people do in the United Kingdom between age um, 16 and 18. So I don't know what, you know, other countries it's probably called something else, but once they've done their GCSEs, which is what you do when you're 16 in the UK, then you can go on and do your A-levels. And you can either stay in the same school if they offer that, or you can go to a college and do them there. And um, the idea is you do that with a view to then going to university or not, maybe, you know, depending on what you choose to do. Um, anyway, so he went to college, but basically found that uh, he really wasn't very happy in college um, because he didn't like the way they were taught. And he decided it was a waste of time anyway, um, which is really interesting to me because, you know, I've got a few things to say about that in a minute. But um, anyway, so yeah, so basically he left college of his own accord, age 17 or something. And um, a friend of his had been doing some plumbing and seemed to be doing quite well. And so, you know, this guy, uh, Charlie, I think his name is, decided to go and do, um, you know, go and do that. So went to learn how to do plumbing and then basically got um, taken on at a firm where they also taught him about gas and so forth. And so he learned to do plumbing and gas boilers and so on. And then um, he's kind of been doing that ever since, working for himself and he's moved to different companies. Um, and currently works for, you know, this big provider of, um, of gas uh, and electricity in the United Kingdom. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's very happy working for himself because basically, you know, he, he his 
there's obviously a trade-off, right? So, you know, you don't get entitlement to holiday pay, uh, you don't get entitlement to sick pay, um, you know, that sort of thing. But on the flip side, you get to choose your own hours and he doesn't like working on weekends. He doesn't want to be in a rotor that includes him working on weekends or evenings. So he basically just does Monday to Friday kind of day hours. Um, and that's what he likes to do. Seems to be doing quite well. Seems to be pretty happy with it. But, um, you know, it was really interesting talking to him because, you know, he's a young guy um, basically running his own business. And, you know, that, that I think is obviously something that's going to uh, resonate with me a lot. Um, you know, I have some years on him for sure, <laughs> but, um, but it's pretty cool. And I'll pop back after the break because there's a couple of other things that he was telling me and, you know, that I wanted to kind of dwell on a little bit further with you. So I'll catch you in a second. Yes, yeah, so I'm back. So, um, so Charlie was saying that, you know, for him, university is a waste of time unless you're going to do something specific. Um, and he was dropping the example of medicine or, you know, veterinary medicine, because obviously he asked me what I do. And I'm going to come to that in a second as well. But um, so he was saying, you know, his granddad had a trade. His dad had a trade. His dad had a trade, but then stopped doing his trade and ended up becoming, you know, essentially what we'd call like a self-made businessman. And apparently he's been doing very well, um, you know, in that regard. And um, Charlie was telling me, you know, that a lot of his friends who went to university after college, so they stuck out of college and they went to university, um, you know, are struggling to find work uh, in the areas in which they went to university. And he dropped a couple of examples. So one of his friends, I have to say, actually, Charlie seemed very obsessed with university qualifications and the meaning of them and with income and salary and... Uh, I'm not sure I necessarily align with those things, but, um, you know, that one of his friends got a first from Bristol University and after a year of looking for a job that he could get with his qualification, he's basically given up and gone back to, to train in a trade. I think he's doing becoming an electrician. Um, you know, another example of a friend of his who became an accountant and didn't realize that after qualifying as an accountant, he was going to have to do further training in order to, to be able to get into a job. Um, and it turns out that some of the people that were on the course that he was doing for the further training hadn't actually been to university at all and they just gone straight through that route and his friend found himself thinking why did I do all of that and obviously this whole thing about university not being just about the, the degree that you get but about the experience that you have and the fun and the friendships and all those sorts of things and the life learning but you know those things can happen outside of university right so it's not like there's the only place to go and experience those things just to be in university um, yeah, so, and then, um, there's trouble about, you know, conversations, and, and these aren't new conversations about university and are they preparing people for work. One of the other things Charlie was saying was this problem about, you know, if people are looking for people with experience in jobs and just your qualification on its own is not enough, but how do you get experience if no one's going to give you an opportunity? Some of the experiences are, you know, where they'll basically offer to pay you nothing. So one of his friends did a six-month internship at a firm where basically he was not being paid and then the firm shut down. So basically, um, you know, he didn't have the opportunity to stay on there and get any kind of job there. He did have some experience under his belt, but working for a firm that shut down. Um, you know, so lots of challenges and I'm kind of ranting through a lot of different issues in a very short period of time, but um, just thought it was really fascinating. And yeah, so this whole conversation about, well, Let's just start with universities and focus on that, you know, whether they are or they are not really preparing 
um, people for the modern age, if you like, and the way in which things are changing, and the nature of technology, and the nature of changing jobs, automation, and all that sort of thing. Our university is actually still preparing people for the workplace, as it were. Um, and you know me, I, I hate this whole the job market and the job force and all that because it's, it's just um, yeah, I hate it. <laughs> anyway. Um, and, you know, in fact, I'm aware of a startup that's working on, you know, trying to create a technology solution that tries to align people with the skills that they have, with the jobs that people are looking for in the way that means that universities have a better idea about whether they're actually educating people in the things that they need to, to then go on and get jobs if that's what they choose to do. Most universities, in fact, probably all of them, I'm not sure, but I would imagine almost all of them are basically private businesses, right? And so this whole money thing is always and everywhere and they always have vested interests. And people are, some people are still being taught things in universities that are, were being taught a long time ago and by people sometimes who have either never had nor or maybe have not had for a long time experience of the thing that they're teaching. It's like teaching people to be veterinary student, you know, in veterinary school, but you've never been a clinician and you've never seen cases and you haven't done that for so long. Like, how are you qualified to keep doing that, right? Depends, obviously, on what you're teaching them, but it's things like that. People teaching people how to do marketing when they haven't actually gone out and marketed a business themselves in the modern world for, you know, 20 years or whatever. I mean, how are you qualified to still be, still be doing that? Um, so I think that's, uh, you know, another thing that's... Uh, absolutely on point and the need for the change of the university system but also you can track this back right and it goes on before in the teenage years and in the early years um i'm going to come back after the break and say one more thing about hats yeah so the last uh, the last segment for now um you know, so even in areas like veterinary medicine, where it's sort of traditionally said, well, you know, universities where you have to go to learn that, um, that does not necessarily mean that you cannot evolve that process, right? So maybe that's true to some extent, but on the flip side, you know, those places can't stagnate in the way they teach. And I'm not saying that they do, but I'm just saying that that's something that we all need to be aware of. And looking in the United Kingdom, for example, there's a whole debate about how many veterinary schools do we need, and there are more, and there may be more in the, in the planning. Um, but the thing is, you know, um, a couple of the more new, the newer ones, they have basically evolved the way in which they teach, right? So most of the traditional universities, you would basically go and you would have, you know, years of lectures, and then you would go on and do some actual time seeing practice and learning more clinical stuff and then end with a year where you actually spend your year on clinical rotations. Some of the newer universities, a couple of the ones that have opened in the last decade or so, they basically don't have their own hospitals, at least not entirely. And, you know, the students go out from a very early stage and spend time with local referral centers uh, and practices. And their teaching is much more clinically focused, right? So instead of all the theory and then the clinical, it's kind of the, the theory is taught around the clinical cases and so forth. And those students, as far as I know um, from reports in the press and colleagues and stuff, seem to be doing very, very well. I've encountered a few of them, um, you know, on, on externships and so on. And yeah, I mean, they seem to be doing very well. So a sign that changing the way in which you do things can sometimes be beneficial um, and is much, much needed in this day and age. Of course, the other thing is so much information is now available on the internet that wasn't before, right? So universities no longer are the gatekeepers and the safe, you know, the key holders to information. Um, and 
get to charge money for it and make money out of it and all that. So that thing is changing as well, right? And you can get yourself a very good amount of information, sometimes ironically put out for free by universities on the internet as well. So that's another interesting thing. And then the other thing I wanted to just talk about was the whole idea that, you know, that these, these educational establishments and organizations, that everything they teach is correct. It's just, you know, we're talking about them evolving their teaching processes and trying to help people that, you know, get people that are more experienced with hands-on stuff to do the teaching and things like that. But who actually said that what's being taught is entirely correct, right? And that's the other part of this is that, you know, people have to be honest and transparent about this fact. And it doesn't even go to just the, the point of, well, things evolve and as they do, we learn more. It's, it goes even deeper than that. It goes into the, the narrative and the paradigm that is being taught, right? So who is it that determines what is taught at school? Well, it's the government, basically, in your country. What's their vested interest? What's their agenda? What is it that they want you to be taught as a young person that you are then taught at school? And, you know, in the past, especially, people didn't have the ability to say, well, is there another version of this story that I'm being taught, right? And that applies to things like history, for example, you know, like one, the version of history we're taught in school may not actually be the truth, in inverted commas. And it also applies to science. So a lot of scientists, and I'm putting that in air quotes, who have conditioned to one way of thinking because of that's their school and then their university experience. And they have this identity and this label that I'm a scientist because this is how I was taught to be and this is the paradigm of science in which I work and I believe. Some of those people are the worst people for being closed-minded about alternative versions, right? So they have this narrative about science as they see it. And this is a science that you have been taught at school, at university, by vested interests. And you have to understand that, that you know, people are not teaching you proven facts without a vested interest in many scenarios. And it's not even the, the teachers I'm talking about here, it's at a higher level, right? It's the institutions and the government and what they, you know, the, the sort of relationships that they have. So just be cognizant that just because you were taught it and that's your, your narrative and your identity from the establishment and the education system, it may not actually be correct in inverted commas, right? And there may be alternative versions, some of which are much longer standing and much have much more history and, you know, actually on a real-life basis <clears throat> may have much more experience behind them. But it's not convenient for the establishment, the government, with all the vested agendas of finances and manipulation and control and whatever it might be for you to know about these things and it's not taught in the education system. So lots of stuff around the whole education and university. I'm not an expert on it at all. I'm just ranting some thoughts. But um, I hope you found that interesting. I'll pop back and do a segment later. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, so it's uh, coming up to 10 past 10 p.m. Just uh, popping in to round off um, the episode. I did um, some segments earlier on in the day. And, uh, yeah, the rest of the day I um, I braved the supermarket. Um, didn't have much to buy because, you know, I won't be doing Christmas meal or anything like that, really. Um, Layla and I are going to hang together and catch up on some time together, as it were. Um but uh, yeah, just needed some essentials really. So I went to the supermarket and, um, you know, I think a lot of people think that they're going to beat the rush tomorrow being Saturday the 24th by going today. So even though I went, you know, it kind of, um, it was about 
11, 12 in the morning. Um, it was busy enough. It wasn't crazy and I didn't have to queue for very long, but it was busy enough and yeah, just mania really. Insanity is what it is. Um, anyway, just, uh, ridiculous amounts of consumption. Um, had a cool call with uh, Rue and Stacey Friday afternoon, often meet or speak to them on a Friday. Um, we're kind of, there's still stuff to be done right around the Ralph, the site stuff. Um, I have received an updated possible phase one final version. Still needs some attention. I need to look at it and review it and send it back for after the new year. Um, but we're getting there in that regard. And likewise with the funding, you know, things are slowly winding to a conclusion, I hope. So, you know, we're sort of thoughts are turning to actual execution and starting to think more from a sort of operational point of view about project plans and timelines in all the different areas and that stuff that, you know, I want us to be ahead of the curve, well-prepared, know what we're doing, when we're supposed to be doing it, etc. <clears throat> you know, I will say that I have this kind of brain dump philosophy, which means that... Um, you know, I often talk about this thing about trying to not have all this mind chatter all the time. And, you know, that's very hard as it is, right? To not have mind chatter is a very difficult thing as it is. But I don't think you do yourself any favours if you're trying to store a whole bunch of stuff in your head uh, for you to remember and details that could be quite happily stored out of your head. Um, so I tend to like to try and have stuff dumped on in documents, project plans, summaries, etc. Um so you know it's there and and it's you know it needs to be it's where it needs to be you can refer to it you can be guided by it and if you put in the time up front to prepare it and that's very much the approach that we're going to be taking to you know the um the period next year kind of between March and September when we really get going with site conversion and lots of our preparation so um you know we had a good good chat about that and uh, starting to think in little different ways to maybe what we have been doing until now. Um, yeah, then did some stuff around the Ralph site. Um, again, a few changes going on there in terms of the blogs that, that I publish and things like that. So it's kind of this transition from one year to the next and <clears throat> stopping some things, starting some new things um, and so on. So yeah, so good day. As always, <laughs> get anywhere near as much done as I, as I kind of expected I might. And also as thoughts turn to the next sort of 10 days or so, I think it's pretty fair to say that, um, as always, there'll be a massive overestimation of what will actually get done in that period of time because a fair amount of it I'm not going to be actually working, um, taking some time to spend with Layla because, you know, um, it's cool to hang together and, um, you know, we rarely get the time to, um, and next year is obviously going to get busier, um, in ways that are a bit less in my control in terms of meetings and driving places and things like that. So, you know, I think it's a kind of, um, great thing looking forward to that. And, uh, that'll be just kind of gymming, watching stuff, eating stuff. Uh, also my brother, one of my brothers lives abroad at the moment and he's over here from tomorrow with his two kids and his wife. Um, so hopefully you need to schedule some time to see them. My other brother's got three kids and again, see them tomorrow we're having dinner with Layla and her family so you know the usual kind of stuff but with work intermingled as much as possible um see what we get done in the next 10 days and uh yeah it's all good um 
cool well i'll probably catch you if not tomorrow some point i'm sure uh in the next day or two and have a great um have a great day tomorrow until then and take care cheers bye bye